Amen? It's the greatest thing in life to be on this journey with Jesus Christ. But again, it begins at salvation, but it continues. And it continues not to the point of death. A lot of times say, boy, someday I'm going to finish my journey. No, your journey's going to go on forever. We sang about that this morning. It's going to go on forever. It's going to change when you die, but the journey continues. Glory to God. 10,000 Years from now, <laughs> we aren't going to count years in, in heaven like we do here, but, but for eternity, we're going to look back and say, that's where the journey began. But my concern as a pastor and as a fellow believer is that we continue on that journey, and so often we've seen people who begin the journey but don't complete the journey. Something comes along, and distracts them and they and they stop following Jesus Christ something or someone becomes more important than their living relationship with Jesus Christ we see examples of this in the word and so in these weeks in these weeks i have shared some of the essentials that are necessary for completing our journey the the things that we do the things that we do that make a difference in us going the distance for example, we, we've talked about being in the Word, the time in the Word. Time in the Word, the Word of God. If you have a Bible with you, whether electronic or, or leather or paper, hold it up for a moment. Just hold it up. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank God for His Word, regardless of how it is. Thank God for His Word. This is the most powerful book. It is the book, the greatest book in the entire world. It is God's will revealed to us. And there's no other thing no other thing following the beginning of a relationship with Jesus Christ that will make a greater difference in your life, in your spiritual life, than time in God's Word. For some weeks now, I've encouraged you to at least, on at least four times a week, on at least four different days each week, to engage the Word of God in your life. Spend some time reading God's Word. Some of you have been doing that, and, 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 and many of you have been doing it for a long time, more than that, but, but, but uh, you, 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 some of you have come up in recent weeks and said, I've, I've been doing that, Pastor, and, I, and, I, and I'm noticing a difference. Glory to God. Keep doing it. Continue to be in God's Word. We, we've looked at the importance, the, this, this essential of prayer, prayer, that God has given us the ability to access the very throne room of God. I shared before, a couple of weeks ago, if you tried to get a hold of the, the President of the United States or the Queen of England or any very high-profile person that you could choose, you'd have to go through so many layers to get to them, and you probably would not happen. You couldn't just get up someday and say, you know, by the end of today, I want to talk to the President. It's not going to happen. But think of this. The creator of the universe... God the Father, the Savior of your soul, Jesus Christ, you can access them in a moment. That's powerful. And one of the things that God has given us, and Jesus demonstrated, and we see this in the Gospels, and also others in, in, throughout the, the New Testament particularly, you see people coming into the presence of God through prayer. And I thank God for prayer. I thank God that in the in the most difficult place, at the most difficult of times, we can go into the presence of God through prayer. And it's one of the things that will help us go the distance. This morning, this morning I want to bring another essential, if you will, in going the distance, and that is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, now I'm not talking about the, the event or the holiday 
I'm, I'm not talking about the, the, the meal, but I, I'm rather, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to the choice or the attitude or the action of giving thanks. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 16. The second book in the Old Testament, second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus chapter 16. We're going to be reading a few things out of there and as well as a few other places. While you're turning there, let me just explain that the book of Exodus records the journey, right? We're talking about journeys. It records the journey of the Jewish people after being freed from centuries of slavery. There's a lot to that story. Here's the very, very short version. Through a series of dramatic miracles, God had delivered His people from slavery, centuries of slavery in Egypt. He had delivered His people and He was preparing them for His promise. That's the book of Exodus. God delivering His people from their old life and preparing them for their their future life, their present and their future life. That's the story of Exodus in, 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 in the essentials of it. Their journey, we know, uh, they didn't know it at the time when it was happening, but we know in hindsight their journey would last actually for decades. It would, hap- it would last for about four decades, and it would take them, their journey would take them through wilderness areas where food and and water and essential provisions like that were scarce, especially for such a huge mass of people that uh, we believe would be in excess of a million people. Now you think about that, how God would take and sustain people for four decades in a wilderness area where food and water were scarce. That's all there in the book of Exodus, and it's also recorded in the book of of numbers. So, so that's, what, that's, that's kind of the background. Now, Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 reads this way. You can follow with me. It says, they set out from Elam, and all of the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So not very long. Next verse. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled. I want you to notice that word. It says, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel, and all this this massive group of people, the people of Israel said to them, to Moses and Aaron, would that we had died by the hand of of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you, they said to Moses and Aaron, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I paraphrase. Why did you bring us to this place? What were you thinking when you brought us to this place? We remember how good we had it back in Egypt. They mentioned nothing about slavery. We remember how good we had it. We had pot, what, what is it? pots of meat and bread to the full. But you've brought us out to this place to starve us and to kill us with hunger. 
that word um, grumbling, you see it on the second line there on the screen. The, the word grumbling is recorded, get this, 16 times in the biblical record of the people's journey, this journey, 16 times. Between the books of Exodus and Numbers, you will find the word, some variation of the word grumble 16 times. That, that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit, 16 times. But here's the interesting thing about the, the recurrence of the word grumble, or some variation thereof. The interesting thing about it is that that word appears, almost every time that that word appears, it is in reference, it was about their food, their water, or Moses. Three things. Almost every time that you see the word grumble, it was about their food, their water, or Moses. To put it simply, that means that the people grumbled about essential provisions or about people. They're grumbling, they're complaining, they're griping, they're bellyaching, if you will, was, was almost always about some basic provision or about people. And I got thinking about this. You know, this is a long time ago, better part of 3,500 years ago, but I got thinking about this. What do we complain about? Just consider that for a moment. What do we complain about? It's often about some basic essential or about some person. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Don't mention any names. Don't look at anyone. Keep looking at me right now. <laughs> but you think about it. What do we grumble about? We, we grumble about some person who often is over us or some person who's in our life that really kind of annoys us or, or we, we grumble about some, some basic essential or often we grumble about some, the lack, right, what the perceived lack of, of some essential. Think about it, and, and I say this as a reco- recovering grumbler, that, that we often grumble about uh, uh, some essential provision or some person. The thing is, it has a detrimental effect upon us. And I'll, I'll drill down on this in a moment here, but it affects us. Grumbling, and you'll see this here in a moment, grumbling has a detrimental effect upon us. You know that you cannot grumble without it affecting. You can't grumble for very long uh, or even maybe sometimes briefly. You can't, uh, you can't grumble. You can't be a grumbling person without it having some detrimental effect upon you, internally or externally. Now, um, look, at, look, at, look at the next couple of verses later. Exodus chapter 16, verse 6 reads this way. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because He has heard your grumbling. He has heard your grumbling. There's that word again. He has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we, Moses says, what are we that you grumble against us, against my brother and I? Moses said this. When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling, Moses said, your grumbling is not against us, 
but against the Lord. Now, now don't read the first few verses there of Exodus 16 without reading these verses as well, because here's what happens here. Again, the people were grumbling about their food, in other places about their water, and, and about their, their leader, or leaders in this case, Moses and his brother Aaron. But here, here's the thing, in these few verses that we just read, here their hearts and their motives were exposed. It's like you peeled back the layer and saw the real issue here, not the superficial thing. Have you noticed that oftentimes when there's a problem, there's the perceived problem, but there's a deeper problem? This is what happens here in in these few verses. God, through his spokesman Moses, peels back the layer and said, this is the real problem. Moses said they're complaining or their lack of thanks would be another way that we would put it, was really against who? God. It was really against God. Look at at verse 8 again, right there at the end. Your grumbling, Moses said, your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Now, you say, well, that's great history, that's a long time ago, but let me, here, here's where it's going to get maybe just a little bit tense, because when you think about it, how much of our grumbling we direct against an entity, a person, a, a, a government, a state, a, 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 a federal government, against a person, a president, an elected leader, a, a, a person of influence, a culture, a group? How many, how many times, or, or, or we complain or we grumble, biblical use of the word there, we grumble against some perceived lack of something in our lives, but when you really pull the layer off, how many times are we really kind of grumbling against God? Because while we may not say it, we say, well, God, you could, you could just speak it and the, the thing that I lack will be there. Because we believe in the power of God. Well, we say, God, you can, you can fix this. Or, or, we, or we, we, we see something in our bodies and we say, God, well, you can heal me. And, and I know that he can heal, but for, for some reason he doesn't. And, and we begin to grumble against the malady or another person. But really sometimes, if you, if you really look at it closely, sometimes we're a little bit put out against God. Let me take it a step further. I wonder, I wonder how much of the rage that we see in people, while it's directed towards a person or an entity or some difficult situation, I wonder how often people are really angry against God. But we have a, we have a way of redirecting our emotions, our, our complaint, our anger. And instead of, instead of addressing it to God, because here's the thing, especially for followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes we, we, uh, sometimes we rationalize or we minimize or we dismiss our anger or our frustration or our grumbling And we direct it at people because we know that if we get angry at God, then that we're talking about an eternal thing here. 
And so instead of coming to him and pouring ourselves out to him, we pour ourselves out on someone else. How much anger in this world is really people who are angry at God, but they take their anger out on someone else? I've long said that the, the most important relationship that we have is this relationship. It's this vertical relationship, but if this relationship is broken, then it will affect our horizontal relationships. That's why Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's a connection. Moses said, you're grumbling. You're not giving thanks to the one who set you free. You forget about the slavery that you were in. You're really angry against God. I'm, I'm here, I'm God's leader, but you're angry at me. But it's really, I know what it is. You're really angry at God. You're grumbling to him. And right here, and you see these verses in front of you or in your hands, right here, because of grumbling, because of their lack of gratitude, God said, let me me back up, I jumped ahead, Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, doesn't list it here in Exodus 16, but in Numbers 14, the consequences of their grumbling are given. Listen to this. God said to Moses, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the, I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. Complaints and grumbling. I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell me, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you 20 years old or more, who has counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Right here, right here, this, right here in this verse before us, because of their grumbling... Because of their lack of gratitude to the one who had set them free. Because they grumbled and because they failed to give thanks, God said, everyone over the age of 20 would never see the promised land. And in fact, that happened. Only two persons. A man named Joshua and a man named Caleb. That's another story. But only two persons who were over the age of 20 on that day would ever see the promised land. Everyone else died in the wilderness over the course of those 40 years. Every one of them. Why? Because they failed to give thanks to the one who set them free. Now you may think, hey man, that is pretty severe. I mean, come on God, that seems to be just a little bit of an overreaction. Come on, it's just, it's, just, uh, it's just people who are going through real situations and they're just complaining because they're, they don't like the food or they don't like the water or they don't like the leader. You may think that's kind of a bit of an overreaction. It may be kind of severe. You, you, may, you may tend to think that it can't happen anymore. But let me tell you something. This tells us that God is grieved by grumbling. Let me say that again. God is grieved by grumbling. He says this here. He says, uh, 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 I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. God is grieved by grumbling. 
God is grieved by complaining. God is grieved when there's a lack of gratitude for what he has done and for who he is. It causes me to wonder. Now, let's not relegate this just to 3,500 years ago or thereabouts. See, here's, 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 here's the bothersome part. This causes me to wonder. This should cause every one of us to wonder if complaining and a lack of thanks stopped them from receiving God's promises, can it stop me from receiving God's promises? If constantly grumbling against someone or something or the perceived lack of something or the shortcomings of someone If a failure to thank God stopped them from going the distance in their journey, can it stop me from going the distance in my journey? See, I didn't choose this subject just because it's Thanksgiving, because it's this weekend. I chose it because a heart of thanks is so important and a heart of grumbling can stop you from receiving what God has for you. We, 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 tend to, we, we tend to minimize it. We, we have the tendency to, to dismiss it. I know. I've done it. And we go, ah, oh, you know, we, <coughs> we use words like, well, I'm grieved in my spirit by what this person did. God, why isn't this? I'm stressed or I'm frustrated or I'm upset about this. So I never say anything. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I didn't plan on saying it, but I'm going to say it. I wonder how much social media is just people grumbling. I have no problem with, with you know, cat pictures. No problem with that. I, I go on Facebook about once every two weeks. And in fact, I'm going to go so far as to say this. I have, I have unfollowed, if, you, if you're a part of that, you know what that means. I have unfollowed people. I just don't follow them anymore because I get tired of their grumbling. Well, see, pastor's appreciation was just, well, how many weeks ago was that? Not too long ago. We, we kind of, we can think sometimes the anonymity of that is, well, I'm just, I'm venting or I'm, you know, well, no, let, some of it is just grumbling. Thank you. Amen. It's true. And we just, sometimes we just go, oh, I'm just going to go off on this person or I'm going to go off on this entity or I'm going to go off on, on and, and sometimes it's just belly aching. And let me tell you something, it will affect us. There, you know, there's some, there's, some, there's some people that God allows in our mind. We don't necessarily like them, but you know, maybe God has them there for a reason. So here's the thing. No, no, everybody's like, oh, this is, ooh, I'm just feeling uplifted. No, you're not, because I haven't gotten to the good part yet. <laughs> if there are consequences of grumbling and complaining, right, that we see in, in living detail here, if there are consequences of grumbling and complaining, then what are the consequences of giving thanks, right? Because there has to be a flip side. 
What are, the, what are the consequences, the good consequences, the results, the benefits of giving thanks? What happens when people say, regardless of what they're going through, I choose to trust him and I choose to praise him and I choose to have a sweet spirit. My God's grace is going to help me. If there are consequences to the negative, there have to be benefits to the positive. What are the consequences or the benefits or the results of giving thanks and of gratitude? Or, or, or here's another word that goes really, really well with us, a holy contentment. Would you say that with me? Holy contentment. Say it again, a holy contentment. You know, you can't really separate that word out from gratitude. They're very, very close. They're like, they're like double cousins. I mean, they're just right there. Holy contentment. What are the benefits of a holy contentment with, with what he's given us rather than focusing on what we don't have? First Timothy chapter 6 tells us. Tells us this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. Do you know that in the history of mankind, there has never been a child born with a gold coin in their hand? Now, you, 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 you say, well, I've heard people being born with a silver spoon in their mouth. It's never happened. If it did, it would be documented. And that mother would remember. How many know what I'm talking about? We brought nothing into this world. That's what the Bible says. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it but we can be content with what we have right now. The word content in verses 6 and 8, that is an extremely important word. It means, it means I focus on what God has given me and I'm thankful for it and content with it. I'm okay with that. And I'm not going to get bent out of shape if I see someone else that has what I don't have or what I want. Because we're all coming in this world the same and we're all leaving this world the same. Only thing that we're going to have in heaven is members of your family in your house that you're going to have in heaven are members of your family and, 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 and what you've done in the name of Jesus Christ. You're taking nothing else with you. Death is a great leveler. I, I was reading, this message was done, I was reading uh, early this morning, I don't sleep much on Saturday nights, I was reading early this morning on USA Today, a website, just uh, wanted to be aware, and there's this teacher in New Jersey, a middle, maybe you read a, a middle school teacher in New Jersey that for a hundred days is wearing the same dress every day to school. Now she's going to wash it occasionally, of course, but, but she wears the same thing because she wants to teach her students that it's not all about you have to have a new set of clothes every day. It's not all about fashion and all the things that you can do with that. And I thought, go for you. Good for you, girl. You just go for it. In fact, from now on, I am just wearing, Joni, I am wearing the same thing every day. I think that's just a great idea. Make it simple. We'll wash it. We'll wash it, but just... But you know, we live in a culture that says more. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you've got a bunch of... That's, but, but, but our world says more. If you have what you don't have, then you'll be happy. If you, if you can get what you don't have, or you can get something better, then we'll be content. No, that's not what the Bible says. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be thankful for what you have. 
Some of you look at other people and you say, well, I wish, you, I, wish I had their problems. No, you don't. You don't want their problems because you don't know what their problems are. And you may think you got problems, you take on their problems, and I'll tell you what, you got a problem. The English author, G.K. Chesterton, wrote that. I love this. It's one of my favorite quotes. I've used it, I think, before. G.K. Chesterton wrote this regarding having enough, right? He wrote this about having enough of something. He said, there are two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. Think about that. Let me read it again. Chesterton wrote this. There are two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. Let me tell you something. If you desire to have less and be thankful for what you have, because I add that to it, if you're thankful for what you, you have, you're going to have a lot less stress in this life. We just think, well, why don't I get that? Why, why hasn't that come yet? What, what's, what's taking so long? I'll tell you what, you're going to have a stressful life. But if you are thankful, if you are content and thankful for what God has given you, regardless of what it is or isn't, I'll tell you what, life's going to be a whole lot better. Be thankful for it. Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote this. He said, I have learned the secret of being content. There's that word again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, we often quote the last part of that. In fact, I, I have that on a little thing that's, that's, that's in our bathroom. It's right there in the corner. It's good for me to look at it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But, but, don't, but look at the, he's talking about, it's in the context of contentment. I can, God's, God's going to help me through with anything, but I'm going to be content with whatever He gives me in any situation, in every situation. Whether I've, I've got more than enough or what I perceive is less than enough, plenty or in want, I, I can, whatever God takes me through, He's going to give me the strength for it. Do you know that once you get a hold of that, that'll change your life? That regard, I don't know the future, but I know that this, he's in the future and whatever he leads me through, he's going to give me the strength for it. Do you know some of the most contented people I have ever known in my life? Some of the most contented people are people who lived without an essential provision and now have it. And some of the most discontented people I've ever known are people who had more than enough of some provision. Isn't that interesting? People who, who live without and still find that their fulfillment is in Jesus Christ, then whether I have a lot or a little, I'm content and I'm thankful. Another thing in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is the, one of those occasions where the actual word thanksgiving, it's not talking about a holiday, it's talking about an attitude or an action. Thanksgiving, present your request to God. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, I shared about, you know, the, or for a couple of weeks, I shared about the value of prayer and, and how we can, we can bring anything to Him. It says this here, we can bring our prayers and our requests to Him. I encourage you again, if you have a need, you go to Him and you present that, but it says right there in the middle that you include thanksgiving with it. God, here's what I need, but I thank you for what I have. 
Here's what I lack, but I thank you that it's going to be enough. Here's, bring the petition. It says that. Bring the request. Pray to him. But you better include, thank you, God, for what you've given me. Sometimes we're just, and I'm speaking of myself, sometimes we're just spoiled. We come to, God, give me, give me, give me. And How about just pausing sometime in your prayer and saying, Lord, uh, today I just want to thank you for all that you've given me. We used to sing a song, great old song, um, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count them. And it goes on. And when we find our sufficiency in Christ, and when we are thankful, the next verse, verse 7 tells us, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I happen to think that there's a correlation between praying, thanking, and peace. You got a lack of peace in your life, you've got a bunch of inner turmoil, then maybe it's because you're not bringing your requests and maybe because you're not giving thanks. But there's, a, there's a connection there, right? There's a, there's a sequence there. Peace is not just something he gives me. Peace is in part because of something that I do, bringing my needs to him with gratitude for what he's done. Peace of God, surpassing all comprehension, guards my heart and my mind. Listen, if we are in Jesus Christ, we have so much for which we can thank God. If Let me say that again because I want to give you an opportunity to hear that and respond. If we are in Jesus Christ, we have so much for which we can be thankful. We do. Of all people in this world, followers of Jesus Christ, we have it made. He's made on a cross. We can thank God for his enduring love. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34 tells us, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Glory to God. His love endures forever. It, it doesn't, you know, people use the word love, and it's it, my love lasts only this far. It'll only go this far. But his love endures forever. I'm thankful for that. Because of Jesus Christ and his enduring love, then all of the junk on our old journey, right? Some of you remember your old journey before you began the journey of following Jesus Christ. All of the junk, all of the horrible things, all of the wounds of our old journey, they no longer control us. Romans chapter 6 says, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and you've become slaves to righteousness. Man, I tell you what, the power of slavery and of the power of, and, and slavery of sin has been broken in our lives. Some of you look back and you go, I remember what my life was like. Well, glory to God, we can thank him that they, I, I'm no longer under the slavery of that. Some of you remember that. Some of you remember what it was like. The slavery in which you lived every day. The hopelessness with which you lived every day. The, 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 the spiritual impotence with which you lived every day. But now in Christ, you look back and you go, glory to God, I've been set free. If you've been set free this morning, say amen. 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 Power. We, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus set me free from the power of sin. 
doesn't have, it doesn't have control over me anymore. Psalm 118 verse 21 tells us, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. I'll tell you what, folks, when we hurt, God knows. When we're going through it, God knows and he answers. When we don't know what to do, God knows and he answers and he helps. And when, we're, when we think that all is lost, God knows and he answers and he helps and he comforts. He has become our salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that in Him we have victory because of Him. Folks, I, I, I almost said I don't care what you go through. I do care what people go through, but I'll tell you what, regardless of what you're going through, if you are in Him, we win. We win. Sometimes we think, oh, I just don't know the future. Well, I don't know the future either, but I know the one who does hold the future, and if I'm in Him, I win. We win. I don't know what lies ahead. I don't know about that diagnosis. I don't know about that, that the end of the month. I don't, I don't know about that bill that's coming. I, I don't know about that relationship. I don't know about that child or that spouse. I just don't know about them. I don't either. But I know who does, and I know that in him I'm going to win. And so are you if we're in him. I'll tell you what, folks. I'll tell you what. Of all the people in this world, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, should be the most grateful of people. That's why one of the most one of the most destructive things one of the most destructive things in our world is a grumbling Christian. Because if, this, if the world around us looks at that and all they hear is you bellyaching and complaining, if all they hear is us bellyaching and complaining, they look at us and you know what they'll say? What do they have that I don't already have? Don't you be one of those. Don't you be one of those belly aching. Because I'll tell you what, the promise of God will stop in your life. And you, you may even be in danger of not going the distance. Now at the beginning of this message I shared that the that, that thanksgiving the ability to give thanks is one of the most important things. And it really is. Again, I'm not, this was, this was designed. It didn't just happen, oh, I'm going to do a Thanksgiving message. It's one of the things that's going to make the difference in you going the distance. See, I want to see you in heaven. I want to see every one of you in heaven. I want to see you serving. And not just, you know, see you there. I want, to, I want to hear that God is doing amazing things in your life and through your life. I want to hear that you're, I want to hear that, that, that every one of us are affecting the world around us bringing people to Christ, showing people Jesus Christ. And it'll do with what comes out of our mouth, what comes out of our attitude. God, deliver us from being grumbling Christians. And God, may I be a thankful follower of Jesus Christ. I'd like you to stand with me, would you please? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something that we do occasionally, not very often, but I'd like you to do this. I, 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 and, and, and by the way, some of you, uh, this is going to be uncomfortable. Well, just too bad. Get used to it. All right. You're just going to. Uh, 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 you, 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 you're going to agree with someone in prayer. I'd like you just take the hand of the person next to you, and if you have to, stretch across the aisle. I want somebody. I don't care where you are. If you're in back, I want you to get with someone. If you're an usher and you're you're standing by yourself, I want you to get. I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you. Go ahead and stretch across the aisle. Go ahead and do that. 
Yeah, 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 if you can. If your arms are long enough, uh, if there isn't, pull on it. It'll, it'll, they'll move, all right? Let's agree together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for salvation. And Lord, we pray for the person on our left and on our right that they would be a thankful believer. I pray, Jesus, that they would be a person who is overwhelmingly thankful for all that you've done in them. I pray, Jesus, that right now, if the hand of the person that doesn't know you, that even in this very moment, they will begin that relationship with you. Simply praying, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I believe in you. I believe that you died for me and you rose from the dead. I declare you as Savior and Lord. And Jesus, come into my heart and let me begin this wonderful journey. Lord, I pray that for any person here today who's not yet begun to follow you. If they simply pray that prayer and mean it with their heart, Lord, they will be saved and they will begin that journey. But Lord, for the rest of us, we're on a journey, sometimes long, sometimes arduous, sometimes very, very difficult. Sometimes we see things that we lack and, and we see people that seem to lack it who are over us. But Lord Jesus, may I be, may we be people who point to you with our gratitude. That in a season of thanksgiving, which is every day in the life of the believer, that we will thank you for what you've given us. Not simply being thankful people, but thankful to God people. Change our hearts. Forgive us for the grumbling. Help us follow you. With thanksgiving, we pray. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, we go in your presence and in your power, and I thank you. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, say amen. 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 God bless you. Go in the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. As always, these altars are open. God bless you this morning.